If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Today we're going to introduce Geraldine Van Monfrans Edie. Geraldine's a dressage rider. She's ridden up to Grand Prix and now she's teaching dressage. So she's a dressage specialist coach and also a coach educator. How are you today, Geraldine? Good, thanks, Glenn. Good. Geraldine, we normally start people off with their favourite quote. It could be an inspirational quote, something that's affected you and helped you on your journey, or just a common quote that you might say within your lessons to your students. There's been many, but uh, I guess my biggest philosophy is, is never give up and just keep trying. Okay, okay. How has that helped you in the past? I guess sometimes working with horses, yeah, you know, unfortunately, like a lot of people, we couldn't never afford the really expensive, wonderful, pre, you know, trained horses, which, mm-hmm. you know, and we used to just have to make do with what we had and yeah, you try and find the best qualities in the horse and make them shine and keep the horse wanting to do what you would love to do. Yes. All right. So I'm sure you teach that now to your own students. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes people will say to me, oh, don't you get frustrated with teaching me? And my philosophy is I don't care who or what I've got in front of me as long as they want to be there. Yes. Yes. That, that open mind and that willingness to learn is a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yep. yep. All right. Now, tell me how you started with horses and what your first memory is. Oh. <laughs> My poor mother wanted piano players and ballet dancers. <laughs> I loved horses from a little kid onwards. And, and at my mum said, okay, when you're 10, you can start riding. So I tested her and tested her as soon as I turned 10 and would literally cycle down to the local riding club, yep. clean out stables and muck out and, you know, saddle up and whatnot in return for lessons. Okay. And gradually when um, mum sort of saw that it wasn't going to go away, then I started to get, you know, some private lessons and whatnot. But, um, yeah, my my poor mother, like, she had to put up the watch. (laughs) (laughs) But still good that she said, you know, you've got to work towards this and, and great that you learned that it wasn't all just about the riding. There's a lot of care and mucking out stables and feeding and a lot of those extra things that you needed to do as well. Oh, look, and it was a brilliant learning curve because it, it just, you know, shows you how to deal with horses, how to communicate with horses. And, you know, unfortunately, the riding you know, schools are getting less and less and kids don't get that opportunity anymore, which is, I think, it's, it's sad. Mm. It's a long way to go from a riding school to a career, to riding to Grand Prix. What made you have a career with horses? Do you remember, was it like 
you, something that you always thought you'd do? Was there a turning moment? What happened there? No, probably wasn't. Like I actually started at uni, but it was a course that once I was at uni, everyone told me, look, the only way to you know, progress is if somebody dies. And I'm going, oh, that's going to be boring and it's going to be an inside job. And I, I love outside, you know, like anything to do outside and on mm-hmm. there. So I spoke to my parents and that was when Lock and Bar was sort of really promoting their, their instructor's course. So yes. me and my pony went down to Lock and Bar and spent six months down there and I worked with some amazing people. That was when, you know, Heath and, and Matt Ryan were down there and Honor. Mm-hmm. Not in carriage, you know, it was just an amazing melting pot of lots of talents and personalities and it was an amazing learning curve. Yes, yes. And you were there for six months? Yeah, and, and had a had a mare that hated jumping with a passion, which is wonderful <laughs> when you've gone down to an eventing place. Yep, yep. And one of the coach educators that came in was Clement Jerks and yes. he sort of took a look at the mare. That's a dress I'd wear. And I went, yeah, I agree with you because I'm <laughs> falling off. <laughs> and kind of went from there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. All right then. And then what do you think, though, you know, that you've been able to stay there? You would have seen a lot of people start off in a horse career and just not kept going. What do you think the skills are to stay in the horse career? I guess it was a passion for teaching. You know, I wanted to bring across to other people the, the love and the communication and the, the partnership between, you know, a rider and a horse and finding different ways of communicating that, like what might work for people, what works for the element. So it was just that puzzle of working it out and, and finding what what suited to each combination. Okay, okay. You've gone on, but you stayed in it. You know, you stayed in it to ride at a high level, not just to coach. What made it that you wanted to keep riding and keep going until you reached Grand Prix? What do you think you had? You know, you might come back and say you had a wonderful horse, but what else was there? Because there's a lot of nice horses around that don't get to Grand Prix. Um, yeah, it started uh, my journey with Clemens and then Edgar Lifart took over. Yep. And he was an amazing man. Like, he taught me the... The, the finding the exercises that would make both rider and horse understand Grand Prix movements, not just do the Grand Prix movements. Mm-hmm. And that I just I love doing that. Like I used to just experiment on my horse and go, okay, if I do this, what happens? And if I sit here, what, what happens? And it was just playing, I guess. But, you know, I don't know, sometimes I even think I nearly fell into Grand Prix by accident. <laughs> I guess it's not really that. Like, it was more just, okay, I've reached one level. Let's just see if we can reach the next bit and, and figure the next bit out. And, you know, and it was, I, I don't know if I ever set out to become a Grand Prix rider. It was just more the challenge of, okay, I've, I've reached one thing. I've achieved one thing. Let's just see if I can do the next bit. But you obviously enjoyed the training. I love it. Absolutely love it. Yep, yep. So if you're training and it's then just a natural progression to progress, you train at one level, you do a good job, you're persistent, and then you just continue on up the levels. Oh, definitely, definitely. And yeah. I can remember, like, you know, when you have your little goals when you start out, and first of all, my goal was to be able to wear long boots. Got that <laughs> okay. goal, and then I went, now, now I want to tail. <laughs> yep. Got that goal, oh, let's just see if we can keep going, you know, yeah. like, you know, you sort of hit the, the present George and then 
just keep playing. And yeah, I was just lucky enough to have mentors that managed to get me there. And a horse that, God bless her soul, that, you know, was happy enough to let me learn to get there. Okay. You've talked about Heath and Rosie and Clements and Edgar. Yep. Um, about people like that that have influenced you. Is there anyone else besides they're, they're sort of the main four? And there was a, a coach that came out from Germany years ago, Rosemary Springer. She was just an amazing lady, like very formidable, but she just taught me how to always present yourself properly, to always be professional in what you do. And, and yeah, I guess that whole presentation side of it, she really brought home to me. Okay. Okay. And what about a horse? Has been a standout horse that's influenced you? Probably Mongold. Like, mm-hmm. she was the one I probably lost the most in the beginning. You know, <laughs> worked at that. That was a fear thing. But once once I got her trust and her confidence, like, that mare would just do anything for me. And it was just an amazing achievement, I guess, to get that trust and that commitment from, from a horse, I guess. Okay. Okay. Good. And what about your proudest moment? Was that with her? Look, there's probably been a lot of them. I mean, I just, I get lots of proud moments from riding, from coaching, like even little things from, you know, when you get ladies that come to you and that have had, never want to become state on international riders or anything, but just when that's their first canter and they're just the look of joy on their face, to me mm. that's a proud moment. Yep. To, yeah, to becoming part of the Australian team with Mongols for the Samsung Cup and that was a proud moment. And, yeah, there's just been so many and so varied. Yes, yes. All right, I want you to think about, as a coach now, a common problem that you see and also talk about how to fix it, how to train it. Look, one of my most common comments I get is, you know, I work on both the horse and the rider, and so many people have said to me, you are the first coach that has actually worked on me as a rider, not just on what the horse does. And to me, it's just, if the rider's not right, how can the horse be right? Mm. And it's teaching the rider, you know, body awareness rather than just trying to do it, is just be aware of what your body's doing. That's good. And I think you're right because a lot of people don't. It's interesting. I sort of get a couple of people talking about the same thing and I just had Belinda Bailey on and she was saying about how important position is and, you know, you're following her saying, I really work on the rider. You know, the rider is so important. So that's good. Yeah, because, you know, the horse is just so sensitive. Like the rider's even breathing wrong. The horse will respond differently, you know, and and that's that's where... Like I said, years ago when I had with Mark, when I retired her, I would just go, okay, if I do this, I sit here, if I breathe that way. And it was quite amazing having a horse at Grand Prix level, just the differences I would get from her from me changing things. Yes, yes. Yeah, it really brought home how important it is that the rider stays balanced and central and and relaxed, I guess. Mm, mm. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory with practical components that can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Thanks. All right. Thinking about yourself as a coach educator now, What's a common problem when people first start to teach and how do we fix it? 
I guess the hardest thing most people find is group teaching because we don't do a lot of it. And I mean, I'm guilty of it now too. I guess <laughs> I prefer the um, individual lessons yes. more just because I feel I can get more out of, you know, the client and the horse and whatnot as an individual. But, you know, group coaching, there is still a big market there for it. And, and I think it's really important that we know how to do it. Mm. So when you say safety, what tends to happen when people are teaching groups for the first time? Holy cow, there's <laughs> people in here and it's just like organised chaos. It's, I mean, you do have to become a bit of a traffic conductor, but I guess it's more just having the confidence to put the ride where you need them to be and to be able to focus on each individual, like give them something, move on to the next one rather than get stuck on one or two people or just see this wall in front of you and go, what do I do now? Yeah. And that they just shut down and don't say anything. And so I can hear you speaking in your head, but I need it to come out verbally. Yeah, yeah, okay. Do you find that there's a problem with them just not able to, you know, in their mind in, in is thinking, you know, that when you're coaching groups, when you first start coaching groups, you're thinking, say if you're coaching a group of four, you're trying to think in four different things instead of thinking this is one group, I've got to control the group, I've got to look at distances, look at the pace that they're doing, look at how they're going and it's the change in the mindset that probably comes with a bit of experience that they think of one group instead of four individual riders. Definitely. Look, you do have to change slightly from group to individual riding. Like individual, you can be there 100% of the time and work on the little nuances and whatnot, whereas in a group, you know, you have to move from rider to rider to rider and, yes, teach it as it's one entity, but also then do the little individual things as well. Yep. And that's it's exactly like you said, it's a skill. Yes, yeah. Thinking about things that have complemented your riding, a book, have you got a book that you could recommend for people? Look, I guess... And um, when I first started, my main one I'd, I'd turn back to was the German Writing Manual. Yes. You know, pretty much just sort of would look at that. Money just for the breakup of the exercises, like the shoulder in, where it should be, where the age should be, where the horses should be tracking and whatnot. And I guess that was sort of my basis. And then from experience, you, you work on that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I guess that would be my main, main one that I sort of worked from in the beginning. Yep. And good to say that you worked at it from the beginning because it doesn't have to be an advanced book. It can start off for the beginner, for the person who's just starting to go with dressage, but then dressage coaches can come along and say, how can I explain that better so that my students can understand? So it addresses a few different levels. Definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, it's so important. I can remember coaches coming over years ago and going, the Australians don't understand the basics. And I'm going, well, I know how to walk trot again. What are you talking about? (laughs) And then it wasn't until I went to Germany that I went, oh, oh, I get it. it. It's it's talking about, yeah, it's talking about making sure no matter what you do that the basic pace stays correct. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're riding a straight line, a circle, a half pass at the side, the PR, the, the base pace must stay correct, the tempo, the rhythm, the forwardness, all the rest of it. And and that was a huge, I don't know, light switch moment for me mm-hmm. where I went, oh, now I now get I it. Now I get it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yep. yep. So it's not just being able yep. to walk, trot and canter. It's being able to monitor the walk, trot and canter to the walk, the trot, the canter that you want at that time. That's correct. And that's yeah. something I try and, you know, pass on to all the coach candidates that, you know, you've got to make sure that you, you get the basics right mm-hmm. because it's everything goes from there. If that's right, if there's something does go wrong, you can always go back to it again and, Yep. It tends to just stop a lot of confusion, frustration and misunderstanding yes. between horse and rider. Yep, yep. All right. Geraldine, what are you looking forward to? What am I looking forward to? Oh, lots of things. I mean, just I guess the little things to me is just, you know, working on the goals of each student and horse. You know, I guess my riding's taken a bit of a back burner because having had kids who were all, you know, high in sports, it was more their turn rather than mine. But, you know, I guess I'm sort of looking forward to maybe even starting my own riding back up again, but also getting clients achieving their goals that they want to achieve and and setting new goals. Okay. Yep. So it sounds like you're really supporting and following your students, which is great. Yeah. Can you sum up your philosophy into a lesson today for our listeners? Philosophy for lesson. Okay. I usually say to everyone, it's easier to fix the problem before it starts and try and fix it after it's happened. So it's more just being more aware of what's going to happen. Horses are usually pretty predictable. They do the same thing in the same spot most of the time. So rather than waiting for them to have done it, use an exercise, use a transition, whatever, to get their focus and attention before you get there. And that way, not have all the tension and the the anger, the frustration, you know, that it just stops communication. Okay. Okay. How can people contact you? Contact me either through mobile or email. Okay. Are you on Facebook at all? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of these button illiterate people that have only sort of gone onto Facebook because my children were on it and okay. the, the one prerequisite was that you had to friend your mother. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So just under your so own name? It's, it's sort of, it's just. It just It's Geraldine Edie and it doesn't have a picture. <laughs> okay. All right then. It's probably easier then with your email and, and phone and we'll find that on, it'll be under horsechats.com. Geraldine, it'll be under Gerald. Maybe Geraldine Edie might be easier to, no, Geraldine von Monfrans Edie will be fine. And even if you just search Geraldine, you'll find it. Okay. Thanks, Geraldine. It's been wonderful talking to you today. I've enjoyed that. And I think it's been good to, um, you know, to just think about riders going to Grand Prix and just being persistent, just trying, just moving up a level, just going again, moving up a level. And that's a good learning goal that anyone can think that they can do. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much. And I'll hope to talk to you another time. My pleasure. Thanks, Glennis. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 